Hello, this is uh, my first blog in quite a while and the reason that I'm doing this tonight is because someone reached out to me today, they've come across my podcast and they have a family member who struggles with the same condition and want to feature me in a monologue and I'm actually really flattered. I was a bit surprised because I didn't think that I could be found by this um, podcast. But I've since checked and my name's on it. So obviously I can. <clears throat> and the truth is, if people who know me find me and hear this, um, the only thing I worry about is it changing relationships with people. And I do worry that the people that are closest to me will hear some things that I discuss and it will be difficult for them. But talking is a kind of therapy. I don't like to overwhelm people too much with the goings on in my mind. So I've discovered this podcast thing a while back and thought... You know, this is a great way to open up and be honest. And, you know, out of only probably a handful of listeners, I've already had someone reach out. So it just goes to show that, you know, this is out there and it does have the potential to reach a wider audience and potentially help for people that are maybe struggling with the same things to be okay with talking about it mental health in general needs to be talked about more um and it's not a case of you know there are worse conditions out there and easier conditions out there it doesn't work like that because we all have our tolerance levels and it's just something that needs to be talked about because a lot of people are struggling and it's misunderstood, misinterpreted all the time. So so I thought, obviously after discussing things with this particular person that reached out, and I'm hoping you'll hear this and continue listening and you know who you are, I thank you for that. And it inspired me to post again tonight, so here I am. Um, I've recently started a new job. And I think the thing that's stressing me out the most at the moment is this constant feeling of not being good enough, constantly questioning myself, convincing myself that I'm going to lose my job, they're going to fire me, they're going to let me go because I'm not good enough. It's even so much, it's so obvious that I've had discussions about it with managers there and they've told me that I lack confidence and I, I look constantly worried all the time and I need to buck up basically they know about my mental health I did disclose it not when I actually interviewed but when I got the job um and I'm pretty certain they understand and if I don't listen to the paranoia and the voices at the end of the day, if they didn't want me, I wouldn't be there. And I think I'm doing well. 
but it is so difficult to trust that when your own mind is telling you otherwise. And I can't explain it articulately enough because I think only a per- person would understand it if they experienced it themselves. But then even then, everyone's different. Everybody's mental health is different and manifests in different ways. I don't have physical voices, I don't actually hear a voice, but I refer to the voices as the other me in my mind. It's the negative me, the paranoid me, the untrusting me, the low self-esteem me. It's that person that's been developed over years of difficulties and that person wins a lot of the time and it has me sat questioning myself self-doubting all the time and it all feeds together and it all makes complete sense when you're diagnosed with BPD or other symptoms will make sense to a person when they're diagnosed with bipolar or schizophrenia or you know any any other mental health condition you know it's the same physical illness and the symptoms make sense when you're diagnosed with you know things that affect you physically but bpd is very much about self-worth and self-doubt and that i i can i refer to it as a tug of war in your own mind you're fighting against yourself and that's a fight you'll never win or lose because it's it's both the same person and it's so difficult. But you just the best you can do is is try every day to be okay and people say to me that, you know, because I work full time, um and because I've you know, I socialise occasionally and I've got, you know, a, a few friends that I'm doing well and I've even had a conversation with someone tonight that said that to me but they don't understand that I work because I have no choice I work because the system told me that I was not ill enough to stay at home and I was on ESA and it was all stopped and it took 18 months to try and appeal it Um, but because I'm well spoken and intelligent and I can sit in a court and you know explain myself and come across, you know, okay, I'm deemed well enough to work, and I am well enough to work for the most part, I don't like not working, and I I don't like um, the mentality of I shouldn't work, or I can't work because of anything really, because anyone can work, I've watched documentaries about people who have missing limbs that work, that are athletes, you know, in the Paralympics, and if the mental, if the mentality is there to overcome things like that, you can you can work. Anyone can work, but the difficult days are the hardest, and it can have you feeling like you are literally crippled, can't move, can't breathe. All you want to do is stay in bed. And for me personally, anyway, because obviously other people will be different. Most you know, some people might drink some people might use abuse drugs um sexual sexual prowess is a another sign and but my main 
um, I've lost my train of thought, sorry, it happens a lot. My main uh, coping mechanism, if you like, is sleeping. Um, just shutting down, shutting off. Realistically, that's contributing to the problems, I know that. But it's just some days that's all I can do. So, it's just difficult and I'm trying my best. But I'm 35 years old, you know, I'm not young, I'm not a spring chicken. And I said to my mum the other day that I'm lonely. And it's the most truth I've spoken in a long time. I want to, I've always imagined, you know, having a family and coming home to someone who loves me and I love them. And I think I have had genuine opportunities of love in my life. But it's, it's just, it's so hard to explain. So I strongly desire someone, love, attention, um, companionship but at the same time I don't trust people I don't even trust the people that are closest to me because that part of me that paranoid untrusting lack of worth self-worth side is convinced that the whole world is against me and even those that love me are burdened by me or fed up of me or tired of me it's just, it's mad. I take my tablets daily and I think they do contribute to some some state of stability. Um, I don't think I would be able to work as much as I do um, and have the connections with people that I do so easily if I wasn't on meds. But at the same time, it doesn't take the stuff away. It doesn't block out the thoughts the feelings the difficulties that are there and i know there are other meds that i could take that are stronger i only take antidepressants that's all i take just to level the moods because the depressions that i have are unbearable um and they definitely take the edge off um i know i could take antipsychotics as well and i've tried and the ones that i have tried have not been great at all they've, they've hindered me rather than helped me i know there's other options to try but you can't experiment with medication and hold down a full-time job it's impossible so i take my three little fluoxetines every morning and just do the best i can and that's all i can do and the sane part of me the intelligent part of me says that's enough but then that self-doubt creeps in and it just destroys me over and over again. I'm not good enough. You'll never meet someone. You know, everyone in the streets looking at you. Everyone at work judging you. People that you should trust. Family, friends. They're judging you. It's a constant, constant thing. I went to the hospital recently and I was diagnosed with pneumonia. And I've been really, really ill for the best part of two weeks. And in the hospital, I was convinced that I was hearing the nurses saying that I was lying to get tablets. And that I wasn't genuinely ill. And that 
manifests because obviously being off work really worries me um, because you convince yourself you're not good enough anyway and then sickness and time off is not, not a, it does not help at all. But I have been to hospital in the past for genuine physical pain and the nurse that was there noticed that I'd self-harmed and I just feel, I felt like she was literally judging me instantly um, and was, you know, hesitant to give me pain meds because maybe it was part of a different agenda. And I have openly spoken about suicide to my doctors and my CPNs and my psychiatrists. It is there in the mind most of the time. It is the first thing that I think about when something does disastrous devastating happens even when something minor happens it is a constant thing but i'm not i wouldn't go to hospital just to get the the the, the materials or the products that i need for that because i wouldn't have to and i doubt the hospital nurses were even talking about me saying i was lying i genuinely think it was it was imagined but it was one of the very rare times that it sounded real and it was really, really difficult to process and I've not felt right since, to be honest. I've been finding that I'm more paranoid and more untrusting of everything. I went, after work today, I went for a quick drink with a, a colleague who I only met three months ago but I think she's fantastic and I do trust her as much as I am actually able to but... We was talking about, you know, work and stuff and I was venting a little bit about things that I wasn't too happy about. And her phone was on the table in the pub and I was convinced she was recording me. I've never been that paranoid about things to the extent where I feel pe people are talking about me that intensely and that and, and it being that real. It was, it's been quite scary the last few days. I feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit. I don't think my mind's always, you know, ever been there 100%, but I'm just, I don't know, I'm just waffling, but I just, I like, I don't like talking about it, it's obviously difficult, but I like the fact that I've got the option to just get things off my chest and, you know, f maybe feel a bit of a weight lifted off my shoulders, there's a, it's an option. You know, it's a therapy. I don't... I've, I've tried therapy with a person, a psychiatrist. I don't... I don't not, you know, appreciate it. I do appreciate it, but... I don't... I don't tend to open up. I'm not as open in, in therapy... Um, as I think I will be on this podcast. The only thing, like I said earlier, that would stop me from being completely honest is the fear of someone who knows me hearing this but at the end of the day this, the 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 saying me says the people that know you already know you so not a lot that I could possibly say would be a shock but if it was it was if it was acquaintances or work colleagues rather than family and friends you know maybe it would help them to understand and maybe people aren't as judgmental as I'm convinced that they are but BPD manifests from 
and not all the time, obviously everyone's different, I keep saying that because I'm trying to be as respectful to different people as I can, but for myself and for a lot of people from what I've read and discussed, it manifests from neglect um, in early years or, you know, just distant parents or abuse or things that make you feel not good enough when you're an adult or hard enough, but when you're a child... It has such an effect that it's irreversible. And I did not have a bad childhood. I did not have... You hear horror stories, you know, you watch documentaries, you hear news stories. And people have the most unimaginable things happen to them. I was born into a family with an an amazing mum who worked her socks off to provide for me and my siblings. My dad was the issue growing up because he was very distant, very neglectful. He didn't care much and he would drink a lot and he was violent towards my mum. And I don't remember a lot and I've been told that's a protective thing. You block out things that you don't want to remember. But obviously, even though I don't have memories so much, it's obviously affected me. Because here I am, you know, 30 years down the line, 20 years down the line, having these constant daily struggles. So, I would never say that I had a shockingly bad childhood. But obviously, it's... It affected me and I can't change that. And then I, th- I don't know what's really real some, a lot of the time and what's not um, in terms of time frame. But I believe that I was, oh, even despite things at home with my dad and, and things that I heard and saw and stuff like that, I thought I was doing okay. Um... And then when I was 12 years old, I was sexually abused by a family member's boyfriend. And it wasn't necessarily the act itself that affected me. Obviously that did. But it was the aftermath and how the family dealt with it. Um, My mum open and honestly told me that if I went to court and involved the police, what what would that mean? Um, and I guess at the time I was old enough to believe that I was in control and and I didn't want to pursue it from a legal point of view, but obviously the family was informed of the situation and it caused a massive rift between people because a lot of the family didn't believe me, which was just unimaginable. Um, And I think even if they... Though even if they did, they felt that they couldn't really respond to it or act on it because he was so close to the family. Um, Nothing happened and I was made to believe at 12 years old that I was nothing but a worthless piece of shit and a liar. But then four years later he did it again to another family member and she did the right thing, she went to court and he was convicted, he didn't go to prison I don't think, but you know, he's, he's a known sex offender and whatnot. And then you'd expect the family then to 
maybe come up to me and, and, and say, do you know what? Obviously, he's re-offended. So, well, I'm sorry. But... <laughs> It's my dad's side of the family and I can't go into it because I would literally be waffling for hours. But they're a different breed, my dad's side of the family are. They are they're, they're not... They're, there's issues in the whole family through one thing and another. And I do think mental health is gen genetic and it runs in families as well. And there's a lot of it. <clears throat> so it's... But it's just, you know... I think maybe if some... Some, sorry, that's my cat jumping up on the side. If if there was some attempt to apologise or take things back or just even acknowledge what happened, maybe it would have been easier to process, to deal with. But it's another thing I can't change. So that happened and then... I think I went off the rails then, to be honest with you. I started drinking and experimenting with drugs and became very sexually promiscuous, even at such a young age. Um, and then at 15 years old, I met someone on the internet. Um, quickly fell in love with this person, even though obviously it was not... It was far from love. It was an escape. It was hope and feeling adult and a mixture of things but he was not a nice person um i lied about my age i was 15 i told him i was 18 i believe and he told me he was early 20s it turned out there was a 13 year age gap i was 15 he was 28 and he was violent and abusive and just he was just a deviant he was just disgusting the way he used to belittle me and Make me feel worthless, and he said the classic things like "No one will ever want you," you know. It's just me, and you you hear things from other people, and you don't understand why they believed it or tolerated, put up with it, stayed with the person. But until you're in that situation yourself, you really can't judge because it's just it's consuming, and obviously I'd already been through you know, other things, and then I moved away from my family home at 15 years old, still a child, hoping to be an adult and be in love and, you know, for everything to be okay and for things to be fixed, and my vulnerability put me in that situation, but then that situation made me worse, and it's just, it's so, it's just so... Cliche is the wrong word, but I can't think of another word. But it's like it's so predictable, but yet you can't stop it from happening. So, anyway, I was with this person for a fair while and I was abused in various ways. And then I moved back to Birmingham and I just I had no respect for myself at this point. I think I was 20, 21. Um, no, younger than that even, 17, and I just, I went off the rails, I really did, and made choices that, to this day, 20 years later, I still judge myself for, but I didn't understand then, because I wasn't diagnosed, so I didn't understand my behaviours, 
and I just just went a bit mad. I just slept with a lot of people and went out drinking all the time and destroyed relations between me and my mum. We're close now. We're close as we can be. I do think she struggles with me sometimes, but she's a very good person and I'd be lost if I are, but I think my teenage years were really difficult for her. Um, I just didn't care. Self-destructive is literally the the key title. It was what it is you destruct because you don't care. But then you care too much at the same time. And it's just, it's just mad. So, yeah. And then, I've had some real relationships. I've lived with people. But I've hurt them. I've pushed them away. I've fought with them, argued with them. I just thought I was a horrible person back then. Because I didn't, didn't, I just didn't know why. I was saying what I was saying, doing what I was doing to people. Um, But you can't. You can't go through what I went through and not deal with it and then have normal relationships. It's impossible. And ten, like, fast forward 10 years when I was diagnosed, it made everything be like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. And I even tried to contact some people from back in my past and apologise um, and try and explain why I did what I did and why I acted the way I acted. It was just a lack of trust. It was just having no belief in any anyone because, you know, growing up, the people that were meant to care for me the most let me down. And then when I was making choices that an adult would normally make at a young age, it was always bad news. So how can a person trust someone when they've experienced nothing but hurt and being let down by those that are meant to protect them unconditionally so fast forward blah 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 my years I'm 35 years old I did have a long term period out of work because of my struggles but I'm now back in work struggling daily but trying um I'm single I'm very single um I tend to obsess and get too close to people too quickly. But at the same time, I don't trust them one iota. So it is the most difficult set of emotions to have to deal with together. Um, I have people in my life that I know have feelings for me. Um, and I see them as too good. Because I don't think I deserve to be with someone who's nice. And I actively, I wouldn't even say actively, it's like, I'm not aware of it. But the people that I do meet and invest on my time in tend to be the same people. They could be years apart in age, you know, different height, race, weight, completely different. On the outside, but inside they're all pretty much the same. That's because my mentality, my subconscious is saying, this is all you deserve. I do it with friends as well. Um, for a long time I associated people that, with people that I didn't really want to associate with. But 
it was a case of that or not having friends. Um, I did cut a lot of people off years ago because it just became so difficult. And now I have a handful of people that I genuinely talk to and trust as much as I'm capable of anyway. I've got a lot of people that I talk to because I've met online or, you know, and you'd think that we had some sort of friendship or relationship because of the amount of time we talk, the amount, you know, that we do talk, but it's very fickle, it's very, you know, casual and not real. Um, I have been known to not tell people the truth about myself, I can make up you know, certain things about me online and stuff and it makes people think that I'm amazing. But that doesn't help the situation, it actually makes it worse because then I'm like, these people think I'm amazing but they don't really know me and it gets me negging myself out even more and being harsh on myself even more. But, oh, I've lost my train of thought again, it happens so much. I don't really know what I'm talking about tonight, what I'm trying to say, but I, I, I know things are getting difficult again. I know that, I can tell. And I'm trying not to completely lose myself because I don't know, I don't know, I don't think I've actually experienced the true breakdown. Um, I've had very, very difficult, very challenging times. But recently I've been thinking that I am losing the plot a little bit and I'm quite scared about the consequences of that. But the truth is, if it's going to happen, you can't control it. You know, if you could control it, then people would, wouldn't break down, people wouldn't struggle the way that they do. I'm just <clears throat> trying to stay one step ahead of my mental health when realistically I don't think you can. I think you can take steps to, you know, manage things and self-help and looking after yourself and stuff definitely helps, but if your brain's going to go, your brain's going to go. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing you can do about it, really. Um, but there's a lot to lose. As, as hard as things can be and as challenging as things are and as difficult as things are becoming, again, I think I'm hitting a bad patch again. At the same time, I've got stability, I've got a job, I've got my house. I've got more stability than I've had in the past. I've been homeless before and I've bounced around all lots of addresses because I just, I can't do normal or, you know, commitment and stuff. I can't, I just go off the, off the rails. But I've got my own place and I've been here a long time. I've got a job, it's very new and I'm, I'm normally struggling, but I'm, really trying my best on that and I've challenged um, my gambling I mentioned it on one of my other recordings uh, when I first started this but April this year <clears throat> I actually self banned on all the online platforms that I used to use for five years and that's that's a big thing that is because that was probably the the hardest thing I was dealing with for a long time and it's another trait or another symptom if you like but it's just um self-destructive behavior or 
Excuse me, sorry. You know, but I got a control of it in April, and since then, if I'm honest, I have, you know, gone to a shop occasionally, but it's nowhere near what I've done before and how much I've risked and lost before. But I think that is another thing that is, it's hard and it's a lot. And I just think there's a combination of things at the moment that are really taking their toll on me. Um, obviously my physical health has not been brilliant because I've been struggling with pneumonia and I've been in hospital for it. And you don't know, is the physical health making your mental health worse or does your mental health make your physical health worse? And are you more susceptible to physical problems because you're weak, basically. You're mentally weak. It's all, I believe it's all interlinked, I really do. You just don't know what, it's like the chicken and the egg, you don't know what came first. You don't know what's making, feeding the other thing and making, making things worse. But, on a good note, I have never been abroad on my own. I've been once with family when I was 14 and I'm flying out next week and I'm going to Spain with my good friend and colleague and I'm obviously nervous about it because it's 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 travelling is difficult for normal people I hate the word normal because I'm not abnormal but it's a different country it's away from my comforts and my home and my friend my family especially but at the same time it's just a must it's got to be done I'm both really really nervous and really excited about it um so that's that's a good thing and there's always a good thing and I try and I try and hold on to these little good things as much as possible but I feel like I see I'm I'm self-dating now because I feel like these even these recordings don't make sense and I'm just waffling um how do you change that sort of mentality how do you change um, a belief system that you've had for so long where you're not worthy, you're not good enough. I'll tell you what, if you know the answer, please let me know. But I'm still here, I'm still fighting, I'm still trying my damnedest to be the best person I can be on a daily basis. Some days I'm fabulous, I'm brilliant. I feel on top of the world, and it's not man mania because I don't really get that. It's how a person should feel about themselves. And I suppose those are my more normal days. But then other days I'm just... I'm exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally done with everything. And you've just got to get through those days and hope that when you wake up the next day it'll be better. But it's a very difficult thing to live with. And... I wouldn't judge any one of their coping mechanisms, their choices, because it's a real bitch, if I'm honest. But there you go, 35 minutes of waffling. <laughs> I need to go to sleep now, because I've, even on a Saturday I've got to go into work for a little while, so. But I am thankful that the person reached out today, and I'm thankful for the knowledge that this is being heard. So I'll try and record more often. Um, if you've got any questions, you're more than welcome to reach me, contact me. If you know how to do that. And I appreciate all of you.
and that's all I'm going to say for tonight. Thanks for listening, <laughs> and um, I'll be back soon. Good night.